Aloha, listeners. You are listening to Grit and Glitter, a weekly podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling. My name is Harley Vasquez. This week, I am on vacation. I am up in northern Ontario on Manitoulin Island on Lake Scugog, the largest freshwater lake on the planet. We're swimming, we're canoeing, we are waterboarding, and just having a grand old time here in the summer, enjoying this last month of summer before everything heads back into the fall. While I'm up here in the Great White North, my co-host, M. Fear, took the time this week to chat with award-winning playwright, screenwriter, and children's author, Gina Famia. Their debut YA novel, Alondra, is out now. You can find it at any reputable bookstore, online, most libraries, I'm sure. It is a queer teen wrestling novel about friends who get into professional wrestling. It is a blast as you can expect. And if you are the kind of person who listens to this podcast on a weekly basis, honestly, this is like exactly your kind of book. Like what, what about that description didn't just sell you? That is Grin and Glitter. That's this show. Queer? Wrestling? Women? Yeah. Hello. That's Grin and Glitter. So go check out this book if you haven't yet. Listen to this interview as well. No spoilers, really, about the book. So you can listen to this interview right now, even if you haven't read the book yet, and then go find the book afterwards. Thanks for listening. I'm going to get back into the water, and we'll chat with you again next week. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just doing a bunch of different things, you know. I I write across different types of mediums, you know. Usually, I would be writing for screen, but we're all on strike, so mm-hmm. that's on pause. But I, you know, I'm just trying to figure out the next book <laughs> that I, I have a few <laughs> that I'm like floating around writing right now, and then I have a bunch of play stuff. Since I'm more established in that world, I I do have like a small conveyor belt of things coming up, which is great. And I'm also, I teach writing and playwriting and all of those things too. So just always thinking about like, what's the next class I want to teach and what do I want to do and how do I do that? <laughs> yeah, with the with the writer's strike, does that have any impact on writing for a stage or are they really like very separate writing worlds? Very separate writing worlds. So no crossover. Uh, Playwrights actually don't have a union. We have a guild. So we actually can never go on strike in that regard. Um, Because we're a guild, we retain all of our rights to our work, um, as opposed to with the screen, uh, we sell the copyright essentially when 
we sell or work on any show, which is what the one of the core issues of striking right now is about. It's like, well, if we do that, you know, we used to be compensated by getting residuals because we didn't own it, but that we would still be able to profit off our work. But, you know, with streaming, it's just upended that whole thing. But I can't work on any screen stuff. So no TV, no movies, but I can't, and no digital too, um, but I can work on my plays and, and I can work on books too. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled that you were able to translate your play, Alondra, into a YA, a, a YA novel. I'm curious how that came about. Um, the, you originally wrote the show in 2017? Yes, yes. In 20, 2016, 2017, around that time. Yes, I wrote the the play and I, you know, I just really wanted to write wrestling and put it on stage. Just whenever I fall in love, whenever I love something, I want to put it in a play. And I love, I'm, I grew up in Brooklyn. I grew up in Bay Ridge um, and adjacent to Coney Island. And I now live in Bensonhurst in Brooklyn, which is in South Brooklyn, which is near Coney Island. So it's a very important place to me. And so for the play, I just, I wanted to, have this, you know, summer that these teenagers get to to play and get to explore and grow. And I thought it would be really cool to see wrestling on stage. And it's cool in theory, but it is hard to actually mm-hmm. stage because a lot we don't really know how to stage that since it's not fight stage combat. That's it. It's not stage combat per se, but it's something adjacent. So it, it, you know, a lot of theaters are kind of like, we don't know how to do that. So we're scared to do that. And so Mm -hmm. I was running into that a lot, even though the play got a lot of excitement and won some awards. um, Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I want it to live somehow, somehow. Um, And I always wanted to write a novel, if not multiple novels, because I'm a huge reader. I love reading books and I love the YA genre because I you know, I find that that's where the best queer stories are right now. And, you know, I'm queer and non-binary and I just want that, those stories to be told. And so I was like, well, I'll just change this since there are already teenage characters here. I'll put them into book form and see what happens. And it was great. But it was also so hard, <laughs> you know, just writing a first novel is hard enough. But I was like, wow, I have to really write out descriptions of how these wrestling moves are happening and how these teens could do them, hopefully as safe as possible. Yeah, it was just, it it became like this wild ride and really changed from the play story and putting it into novels form um, and it just grew. And I actually like the story that's being told in the novel a little bit more than the stage version now, which is an interesting place to be as the the writer of both. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's how that came about. What were the major transformations between stage to page? I mean, obviously, you don't have to worry about staging aspects, so you can mm-hmm. switch up locations. You can you can put as many wrestling moves as you want. Um, mm-hmm. Although it's really your point about writing out the description of of like performing the wrestling moves is so like so interesting and like um, I think you do it so well. But I could see how it would be really difficult to explain like just, you know, describing what that move looks like. Yes. Um, well, I found that I, I 
had to change a lot of characters from from the play to the novel just because there there was a lot more considerations I wanted to give and a lot more of like well I can write I'm confident in writing these types of characters and putting that into play form but not as confident into translating that into prose so I changed character if I my rule that I came up with myself was if I have to change the core of a character then I'm just going to change the character completely so I did that a lot and I changed the the ending of the play is very dark <laughs> Uh, mm. Alanda basically has to defend herself against an assault, like a real life assault in the play. And when I was writing the novel, it just didn't fit into that story at all. I wrote that original ending and then I said, this isn't it. So it was a great lesson in learning how to give myself permission to change the story based on what it really is needs. And that's why I, I like this ending a lot better. I think it's a lot more uplifting and optimistic and just I don't know it, it, more fun uh which I think <laughs> is really important and again it's made me think about the play and how I want to go back into that but those those were some of the more major points that changed and I also did find myself just being while I was writing the book being like trying to stick to the play so much that it just felt like an a boring echo of the play. And I said, this has to be something different, actually. This has to be its own thing. And again, it was really hard to figure that out and, and to do that. So did uh, did Alanda, did she change substantially between the version of her in the play and the version of her that we read in the book? Yeah, I definitely got to know her a lot better. I think I took her for granted a little bit in the play. Everybody, you know, that one of the the sticky points of the play was that she's a very passive character. And that's just a, a me thing with my a lot of my plays. But the protagonists tend to be more passive than everything happening around them. So whenever I go into workshops and rewriting processes, that's something that I, you know, I look for. And so I, I mean, she just couldn't be passive in the book, you know. And so I had to go deeper into her and I had to really like understand who she is and and what she is doing and and her personality and you know there's some things that in a in a play you can say like oh this person's parent passed away and it affected them in this way and that's like the only thing you have to say and in a book if you do that i feel like it's just not mining who the character is and and how that actually did affect them um, and it's so interesting to know that that is very sufficient in a play. Like you don't need to go into deep backstory, into deep feelings because it's doing something else. But in a book, like that's what it is. It's like sinking into an ocean of internal life for the character. So that's that's what I really worked on with Alanda. And I, I like, again, I like her a lot better in the book. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I, I think that her character, I mean, her character does start off more passive in some of the situations, basically just because she feels like she is interloping. And so she mm -hmm. has to stand back and she wants to stand back and observe. But I think her passivity evolves so much in the book version of her to the point where when she is passive, there are consequences to it. When she mm -hmm. 
like doesn't speak her mind when she does let things just like go on un- unchecked there there's there's ramifications for her and and for the people that she's around whether it's her 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 uh caretaker Teresa or her um her you know new wrestling crew mm-hmm. that's very true <laughs> yeah so I think that that um I because I, I also am kind of drawn to to characters in works who are observers and are passive mm-hmm. but like it is important for them to like to be able to find their agency and also realize mm-hmm. that like in some ways like not not non-interference is not necessarily the benign path yes yeah I think that that's very perfectly stated and I agree too I think I love that you say observer because observers aren't necessarily passive but are in the same world of things but but yeah I I definitely think about that and thought about that with with Alanda and how she shifts into this into the book well it's such a like a stark contrast to the world of wrestling right where like yes Right. You don't think of pro wrestlers or pro wrestling performances as like passive people. So her taking on a wrestling role and taking on a wrestling gimmick and becoming a wrestler forces her, like really pushes her to have to be a like full person and very present and fully active in the moment. And that can be said for pretty much like all the characters too. They have to like play these gimmicks and they have to take them, they have to take them to heart. So they have to be active and present in those moments. Yes. Yeah. It's true. Well, I want to talk more about the book in, in a, another minute, but I, I want to dive into the wrestling aspect of it because, you know, I I have lots of coming of age stories that come through my my bookshelves here at the library that I work at. Um, lots of books with relevant and related themes, uh, personal discovery and, and queer sexuality and family dynamics. But I don't have that many books that do that while also incorporating pro wrestling. And I love that pro wrestling is not just like a side note in this, but is a major portion mm-hmm. of this book. It's a, a major, like, it's a central aspect of this book. So I'm curious to, um, in both writing the play and then adapting it for the book, like, where does your wrestling interest come from? Um, what, like, where, like, where do your wrestling, your, where's, what's your pro wrestling fandom story? Yeah, absolutely. I love this. Um, so when I was growing up, I had these four boy cousins and I had a sister and these cousins would come over to watch wrestling with my dad, like on the uh, the specials. Oh my gosh, what are they called? Um, the pay-per-view? pay-per-view. Yes. And during mm-hmm. that time, my my mom was like, all right, it's it's girls night with me and my sister and her and we'd all go into like her bedroom and watch Pollyanna while they all were downstairs watching wrestling. So it was just something that was coded to me that, oh, you wouldn't like this thing because we think you're a girl. So, you know, let's go watch Pollyanna with your mom and sister. Um, And I never thought anything of it. I was just like, oh, okay. Like society is telling me this is a thing I'm not going to like. So I probably won't like it. All right. And then like 20 years later, my husband was watching wrestling and like, he, you know, he was like just watching it on TV and I got sucked in immediately. And I was like, what, what, is, what is this? Why didn't nobody tell me about this? And so I just, that was around, I think, 2014. And I just immediately got I was fell in love with it. I was like, wait, there are storylines. I mean, I was already a playwright. I was already in theater. And I was like, this is literally just 
more successful theater <laughs> in some ways. I say more successful because it's very community oriented. There's a lot of call and response that happens. And it's just like a very, I, I loved the live aspect of it. And I loved the, the storylines and the characters, such specific characters. Like you can't really have a successful, I don't want to say show, but like it's, there's, there needs to be a character in order for there to be success, I think, in pro wrestling. And it's just so fun. And so I, I just got sucked into the world, not only of like the large WWE wrestling, but also going to indie shows, local shows and in Brooklyn, around Brooklyn, um, which I actually found I, I enjoy even more, which is why it was so important for me to put into the book that they go to an indie show. Because I want there to always show like that there's a, a broad range of this thing. It's not just what the easiest thing to see, which is the the most uh, invested in thing, I would say. So that there's a wide range of it. And so, I, yeah, I just I was like, like I said, I, I fell in love with it. And I said, I want to put this on stage because I love it. And then I, I also just as a writer do love creating characters. So it was a lot of fun to not only create the characters, but then what their characters, their wrestling personas were. So so that's kind of how I I got into it. And then of course, as as I, you know, went through life. So that was 2014. And a couple of years later, I came out as non-binary to my husband, who said, well, that tracks because you know. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't a surprise. I, it just makes me think about, you know, how binary wrestling is. And that there are companies that like don't, that they, there's more push to not make it as binary, which is great. But that's part of why I wanted to write like a, a, a teenage girl who, you know, and what that means and like intergender wrestling and like we should have more of that and more mixed matches and things like that. And that's why I think I enjoy indie level because you do get more of that on the indie level but yeah so it, it it just all of my interests aligned in this great pro wrestling I love it I I I'm just so um so overwhelmed with, with so many thoughts just because um our wrestling our journeys to like wrestling fandom are very similar in mm-hmm. in certain ways in that like I was aware of it at a certain age. It was very much a boy's world, a, a guy's world, um, or that was how it was like, you know, always like packaged to to me as a, like an adolescent female. But like sometime around like 1999, like 2000, I was in like just starting high school. And for, I like fell into watching about two straight months of Monday Night Raw and like, <laughs> And like getting, getting really attached and getting into it, but not really being able to do anything or say anything about it because I had no one to go to with it because mm. I, and I, I hate to put it this way, but like all the kids I knew in high school who were wrestling fans were dudes and like not particularly like accessible dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like, feel you. <laughs> they were the ones in the like Austin 316 shirts. They were the ones who were yelling suck it at everybody in the hallways. They were the ones who were like, they were not friends of mine, not then, yeah. probably would be now, but not then. And so after about, you know, maybe six weeks, maybe two months, like I kind of fell off of it because I I just had, had nowhere to go with it. I didn't know how to re- like talk about it. I didn't know where to take it. It was, you know, internet, but like not super like community-based internet at that point. So it was just like, Mm -hmm. I had a hard time finding my, finding where I fit into that fandom and just kind of dropped it. And then 
like, again, like 20 years later, like a long time later, my husband, who was a wrestling fan when he was a teenager into his 20s, he got away from it. But then in 2018, he had a back, he threw his back out and he was laid up for like several weeks. And during that time, it was like then January 2018. And he found his way back to wrestling just based on like what was going on in New Japan and what was going on in mm-hmm. ROH and those overlaps and all the developments that had been happening with um, just various wrestlers who were on the, on the prominence there. And so it was like, he got back into it and got me into it just by, just by figuring out like what storylines in particular would work for me. Like he tried to show me like, he was like, Oh yeah, you should watch, you know, these all Japan tag matches and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Like, I don't cool, man. I don't, I don't yeah. know. But like, I wasn't there yet. Cause I needed the thing that was going to click right. for me. And just like you said, like, it was storylines. It was characters. Okay. I needed that. And so that was right when the Golden Lovers reunited in 2018. And when he came across that storyline and he like sent me all this stuff about it, including like the really long blog post, like detailing the whole history, that was it. Because it was yes. it was wrestling, but it was also stories. It was yes. like beautiful men possibly in romance with one another. And it was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in full force. And then from there, I could understand the wrestling. And then I, just like you, I, I got into the big stuff, but I also got like, I got really into independent wrestling for a lot of the same reasons too, especially with the breakdown of like of the binaries and like the separate rosters. I really appreciate that um, the vast majority of local shows and regional shows that I go to don't really have divided men and women's rosters. They don't really have like a men's belt and a women's belt. Yeah. The, the, the shows I go to, it's like, there's, there's tag champions, there's, there's, there's the general champions, there's maybe other belts, but like, there's very little like, gender division on that and i have we talked to plenty of wrestlers who identify as non-binary who appreciate that because there isn't they're still trying to figure out their place in larger companies where those rosters are more divided so in Mm -hmm. the time for the time being they know they have places to work and to you know hone their craft and do what they want to do knowing that they don't really have to like they don't have to put themselves in the box that they don't want to be in yeah, that's so important. And I, I think that's that like speaks to the larger gender conversations that I feel like we're always having. You know, as an assigned female at birth person, I find that a lot of places are like, you're still a woman, just a woman plus. <laughs> I don't like that. You know, I, it's something different. And there's, yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm glad for all of that too. Yeah. And I, I mean, ultimately wrestlers to do what they want to do, they'll, they'll make the choices they have to make or that they decide are worth making, but it's, it is, it is nice to envision a future of wrestling, even in just the five years we've covered wrestling, me and me and my co-host Carly, like the five years that we've covered wrestling in various podcasts, like we, I, I've seen so much growth, even in the indies of like, breaking down those barriers of more wrestler champions who um, more champions in major independent promotions who are, who are women, who are uh, non-binary, who are trans. And that has been, that has just been in the last five years. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there is an explosion happening, which is so exciting and makes me so happy. I really enjoyed the way your characters develop their gimmicks in Alondra and I love that they are, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to put this without making it sound like the characters aren't like sophisticated, but like they are high school age wrestling fans. They yeah. are very like, they're very into wrestling and they understand a lot about wrestling, but like their gimmicks aren't particularly sophisticated. They are definitely what like 
high school wrestling fans who started like a backyard promotion would come up with it. I loved that. I felt it was so authentic. Thank you. Yeah, I, I definitely have a lot of fun coming up with them. Yeah, I feel like there's like this uh, queer inner child that I have that, you know, I'd say this a lot where um, as a queer person of this age, you know, I wasn't really able to be a queer teen. And so I, I do, even in my plays, write a lot of queer teens. And I, I felt like it was natural again, like to have my first book revolve around queer teens, but of now. So yeah, it's just, it, it's like I can actually live through them in this way and just have fun and, and come up with like, well, what, what would they be obsessed with? And um, just remembering like how all encompassing, like something could be, and it means so much to you at that age. And cause you don't have any other thing to, to kind of um, go against it, you know, like, you're just like, mm-hmm. this is the most important thing. Cause it's the thing that is the most important. <laughs> I don't have any other like life, experience to tell me that oh yeah it's going to be you know there'll be more it's like no but it's like everything is so present everything's so right now everything's so important and yeah those things are are narrow but it's only because of the lack of life experience that you have sure and i mean the characters even in this like tight quartet of 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 these wrestlers like they all kind of treat it with varying degrees of sincerity and with um you know, ambition because you have you have Lexi whose ambition seemed to be kind of like she enjoys the wrestling and is, you know, talented in that regard, but her her passion is for the art that she is that she is creating. The art that her 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 professional and and creative aspirations seem to be lying more there versus King who like wants to make this mm-hmm. his entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it was really important for me to have that diversity of like desire is how I thought of it um you know I feel like when I was a teenager I was I don't want to say bullying but kind of bullying my family into putting on shows in the living room with me I was like we're all gonna sing now (laughs) um along to the cd and you know I feel like my sister was went along with it because she was like well it's my sister I should um I guess do this and it, for me, it was like, this is my going to be my life and future. And my sister actually has grown up to be a scientist. <laughs> so if that tells you anything. Um, but it's, you know, it's like, well, I want to, the thing, the thought process between behind like King and Lexi and Spider and Pretzel, the, those four definitely like have a long history of being friends in my mind. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, now like this, like King is obsessed with this thing. So in order to keep hanging out, we should, and we all like wrestling, like we'll all go along with it. And of course, like Lexi is like, yeah, but I'm going to be doing art and who else, who knows what else. And um, why are you taking it so serious, King? You know, you that creates conflict, but it was also like a conflict that I, it was really important for me to explore because I I understand what that's like to, to be the one to be like, I want this thing to be the thing and to have people go along with it, but be like, I just want to hang out. <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as the, like the group both like kind of gels as a performance unit, but like they also are starting to like, you know, understand that this is a t- like a time burden and a, and a responsibility that they're not all like willing to like chase to its to its full extent. And that that just felt like so real to me because that's what 
that that's just another part of your friendships evolving and and people growing apart or or you know just growing in different directions and you get that even just in this like little slice of summer yeah yeah summer especially when you're a teenager can last feel like it's lasting forever and then it's so funny because it's shorter than a school year but it's also like more there's generally more time to spend so it becomes something so all-encompassing it's so interesting summers like teenage summers are always something I think about um which is also why it was like so important to do have it take place during a summer so I just wanted to give them all like a summer to remember and uh, have anybody who reads it feel that same vibe there are a couple of like fictional wrestling figures that are mentioned in this um, book that mm-hmm. uh, play fairly prominent roles. Um, I'm curious if you were inspired by anyone, if you based it, these characters off of anybody in the actual wrestling world, especially uh, Lovely Loveless. I was kind of curious if there was like a counterpart, someone who like actually is, you know, someone who served as an inspiration point for her. Um, she's definitely a combination of a lot of different, like of my favorite wrestlers. Um, I would say like, I, it was important for me for Alanda to get her life advice from somebody whose, um, identities reflected her own. So that's where her starting point came from, but she's definitely like uh, Sasha Banks now from Mercedes and AJ Lee, who's just like one of my ultimate favorites, um, who's, you know, no longer wrestling, but is somebody who's really important to me regardless. But I would say like more on the Sasha Banks Mercedes side of things, just I've watched a lot of documentaries with her and, you know, followed along with her story. And I just feel like besides the colored hair, uh, she's just a very (laughs) open and honest person. And I just wanted that to be lovely, loveless, to be open and honest and to just be like, this is, this is how it is. And this is, my life and it's okay if your life looks like this and is like this too but yes the the starting starting point was definitely to be like we to find somebody who's you know Alanda can really identify with and that was the most important thing for me Uh, big wrestler that I created was Donnie Drago who Mm -hmm. is the um quintessential I wanted him to be like the guy that everybody would like point to to be like he's the guy to go to for wrestling advice but really it's like yeah for other Mm -hmm. like guys (laughs) just like a quintessential like white guy wrestler like dude who's who is you know good at what he knows and and does but isn't maybe for everybody either and so it was really I had a lot of fun writing him even though he's such a small role just because I could really put all my sarcasm even if he doesn't come across as sarcastic I don't think but that's how I put my some sarcasm in there for myself I I, I yeah I genuinely loved Alanda's like genuine confusion about like why King is just so obsessed with this guy yeah it was uh, I had a lot of fun with that um, just because I I feel like I <laughs> often approach people that or movies or TV shows I'm supposed to just like love and think is like the best thing ever. And I'm like, wait, OK, but explain it to me because I don't 
I don't get it. I don't like it. <laughs> well, so much of wrestling is subjective. Like what yes. is going to work for you with one wrestler isn't going to necessarily work for other people. So I, I, I felt that really deeply of like, okay, like he, he connects with this, the, he sees this guy as a, as a, you know, a, an inspiration point, a, a mentor, uh, you know, someone that whose career he wants to emulate and, and learn from. And, and Alanda's just not like, that's not her perspective. That's not how she's seeing this wrestler. And she needs a different inspiration point. She needs something different in the same way that King would maybe look past someone like Lovely Loveless. Like, and, and it just like, it, in so many medias, it's so much, so, so much of what we take in, whether it's like on screen or on the page, like it is subjective, but wrestling is subjective in such a specific way because, mm-hmm. you know, even just someone, even a wrestler's like current gimmick, the, their current current iteration of of who they are their heel turn or their face turn that can mm-hmm. alienate alienate someone from their performance so it's it's one of those things where it's like of course i mean not everybody's going to connect with the same thing but i did really appreciate the our main character just kind of like genuinely being confused by his admiration for what she sees as just kind of like a, a guy yeah a wrestling guy exactly yeah i wanted him to be like the quintessential when you close your eyes and think of a wrestler a lot of people are gonna think of this guy and that's he was like a barbie for me in that way (laughs) yeah well yeah we're in the like in this barbie moment of like a barbie having of our our female characters having such you know depth and interesting layers and then like just a guy yeah just just a dude just rest generic wrestler number one donnie drago As far as wrestling, uh, the, the stuff that you watch and take in, what what do you generally watch nowadays? Are you a big WWE watcher? Do you watch any of the other major companies? Yeah, I definitely am um, a little bit of a, off on um, WWE, I would say, just because I've noticed that a lot of their wrestlers get injured a lot. And mm-hmm. I just feel like there's something to the, the workload uh, that is probably contributing to that. So it started making me turn off to that a little bit. And of course, there's a lot of drama around in WWE again. Um, so I don't really watch them as much. I try to go to indie promotions. So Battle Club Pro in Brooklyn, I go there a lot. They have a lot of great promotions and do a lot of cool cross-gender things. So I really like them. Um, and Warriors of Wrestling, pretty good. I think that they're East Coast based. I've seen them a lot in Brooklyn and Staten Island, so I'm not sure exactly where they're based, but yeah. Uh, and then I, I watch like when I can Impact and AEW. I think that those are great too. But I actually do rewatch a lot of storylines that I didn't get to watch when I was a youth that were happening as a youth. I'm like, when my, my husband showed me stone cold steve austin's like whole thing like i want a milk truck i want to drive a milk truck into <laughs> a stadium <laughs> like so mad i was like wait i i wasn't around for this not fair and but so that's one of my favorite storylines and he's one of my favorite wrestlers that you know that aren't of current um, i would say those those are ways that i I go into it. Um, I really am loving like Trinity's arc now on Impact. I think that that's Mm -hmm. really dope, especially seeing her from being 
slightly mismanaged in WWE and now to see her like be the champ I I always thought she was it's so, so cool uh, we we talk a lot about impact on our show because they are a major promotion with the uh, as far as major promotions go they have the best women's division um, yeah. as far as consistent booking and storyline and near parody of attention and they regularly now uh, made event pay-per-views and uh, it's just so when Trinity signed with them there were lots of people out there in like the Twitter sphere and stuff who were like what she's going to impact and it's like well you look at someone like Deanna Parazzo who you know came up through the Indies and ROH and gets signed by by WWE and gets completely wasted NXT yeah and when she gets like, oh, she goes to Impact and she's a star, like yes. an absolute star. They yeah. know how to book women over there. Gail mm-hmm. and Jimmy Jacobs and like they they know they they have been given license to book consistently and give the women time, which means someone like Trinity really has nothing to lose. She's going to get paid well, but she's uh-huh. also going to be able to do she's going to be able to wrestle. She's going to be able to yes. wrestle in a prominent position. Yes, that's exactly how I feel. There was somebody, I don't remember the exact, it was a SummerSlam that I actually, it was at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn that we went to see a WWE SummerSlam and they had announced, I don't remember which wrestler it was, but it was one of their women wrestlers was getting promoted to WWE from like NXT or something, or I don't remember, but I remember, you know, being my husband was like that's so cool and I was like no it's not <laughs> she's now not gonna wrestle anymore we're never gonna see her again I think it might have been Bailey actually <laughs> and I was like and it's like because I was like I loved her I think I was even wearing her shirt yes it was it was Bailey and I was like we're very upset and he was like why I was like why you've been around you should know better than me and I mean she's she's having a cool arc too but it took a while I would say. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's so funny when we think about these things like, oh, it's WWE. That's the goal, isn't it? It's like, is it the goal? I mean, it's the goal money-wise, but like in terms of your artistry, is it the goal? Especially if you're a woman. It's wild. Yeah. And I think it's something that, although not explicitly linked in Alondra, is something, is a, you know, a, a big steady theme is like, you know, where do you want to take it? What are What is your idea of success here? What is your idea of fulfillment? Is your idea of fulfillment like breaking out and, and getting a thousands of YouTube subscribers? Or is your idea of fulfillment from this just like having a good summer and having fun and learning something new and making connections with each other? There's that storyline that, that those paths are all explored within this book. Yeah. Yeah, it's something I, I'm very passionate about and I try to talk about as much, even like with teens, but also adults. I'm like, just a reminder of what what the, your idea of success doesn't have to be linked to money. It doesn't have to be linked to like fame or fame counted by like the amount of people that are following you and things like that. It's like, your idea of success can be whatever you deem is success. Um, And I I think that it does get lost a lot, especially in a capitalist society, which is like always go for the the top, always go for the, the monetary top of a thing. And it's like, but if you look at something that 
is deemed lower by society doesn't actually mean it's lower. It actually can mean that that's your success. And it doesn't matter what other people think at all, actually. It just matters what what you want at the end of the day and what that is. And I think that's so powerful a thing. And it's not something that we talk about enough, which is why it was so important for me to put it in the book in the way that I did, because I just want people to, to be like, wait, if I like just get up and do a wrestling move <laughs> once, that and that's that could be it. That's that's my success. I did it. And maybe it's like then I can do something else and, and be something else. Because there are is more infinite possibilities in our lives than I think where the societal narrative lets us really see into. So the more I like I like talking about that a lot in my work and in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so you said that you have a book project. Um, what do you have anything that you're working on now? Is there anything that you are excited to produce? Yeah, I'm just writing. Who knows if it'll anything will come of it, except for like maybe writing the book. We'll see. But I'm writing a, <laughs> a queer YA time travel book right now. I love time travel. I love time travel stories. And yeah, I write queer characters just because it's my social norm, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that it's interesting because societal norm says, like, that's not the norm, but if it's my norm, then how can I not just write that? Um, mm-hmm. So that I always just make my characters queer. And I think that there's just, and an queerness is infinite to me. So there's so much more to explore than to put things into a heteronormative box. But yeah, so that's that's what I'm writing right now is in terms of books for YA. I'm I'm also writing an adult thriller that we'll see what happens. It's it's like a thriller horror that's already scaring me while I write it. So I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. But yeah, those are the two like book things I'm working on. And then uh, with my plays, I have a workshop coming up in Chicago for one of my plays and um, hopefully a, a an indie production uh, next year in New York. So just keeping all those things moving. Well, that's fantastic. And if people want to keep track of all those things moving along with you, where can they find you? Yeah, they can find me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram ha- handle is at Harry the Houdini. Um, and I refuse to ever change it to my name. So <laughs> you can find me there. I'm also on threads. I don't do as much on threads, but you can find me there under the same screen name. Fantastic. Gina, thank you so much. Thank you for writing this amazing book. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This was such a blast. <laughs>